Well, there are so many things that I love about being a part of this church, man. We have incredible music every single weekend. We have one of the, one of the best teachers in Pastor Mike, like literally on the planet. Uh, every single week we have ministries and all kinds of opportunities for, for everybody to get connected in, to grow, to make a difference. Uh, but the thing that I love most about this church is the way that God is moving and changing lives. And every single week uh, we get a chance to hear stories of how God is doing that. And, uh, and that never gets old and we never get tired of that, whether that's through baptism or many of the other ways, many of the other ministries that are happening here. In fact, we wanted to give you a chance uh, to put this down on your, uh, on your calendar, kind of a save the date uh, for Vision Night, which is coming up on November 11th at 6 p.m. at the Apex Campus. Uh, you're going to get a chance to hear some of the stories of some of the incredible things that God has done in our church this past year, as well as uh, hear a little bit of the vision of where we're going and where we believe God is leading in next. And there is some exciting, exciting things. So make sure you mark that down on your calendar. You can come tailgate uh, beforehand, and uh, we're going to make a big party out of it. It's going to be an incredible night. Uh, make sure you mark that down. Now, uh, I, heard, uh, I heard a comedian, uh, this was a, a while ago, um, just talk about how easy it is for us to get caught in a lie, right? Because we know that's true. None of us wake up in the morning and say, you know what? My goal today is to set a personal record for how many times I can lie, right? Like we, we don't wake up and, and think that. And it, so it happens so innocently, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes you're just, you're literally, you're walking, you're at Target, right? And, and you run into, into that guy, that guy that you haven't seen in, in a long, long time, right? The, since back in the day, right? And then you walk up and, and they're so excited to see you and they're, they're like, how are you doing, right? And they throw that big hug at you and you're like, wow, kind of overwhelmed. And, and you're like, I, I mean, you're glad to see them. You're not nearly as excited as they are, but, but you, you want to make them feel good, right? And you're like, you, right? Like, it's so good to see you. I can't believe it's been a long time. And, and they get so excited by that. They say, you, you know what? You know what? Friday night, I'm throwing a party. You've got to come to the party, right? And, you're, and you go, wow. And now you're at this place, right? Where all of a sudden you, you have a choice to make. You're either going to tell the truth, which is, you know what? I, I really have no plans on Friday night, but I don't like you enough to go to this party. And so the answer is no, right? Which most of us are thinking, but none of us have the guts to say, right? Because we don't want to be that guy, right? No, nobody wants to do that. And so the other option is, is that you lie, right? And next thing you know, what comes out of your mouth is, you know what I'm going to be doing Friday night? And now you're at a crossroads, right? Because you've already started the lie. Now it's like a choose your own adventure, right? Like you can either choose option A where you go big. You're like, I can't come because I'm getting my liver out on Friday night. Oh, I can't believe it, right? Dirty liver, right? Like I was so excited to come to your party. Or, or you go with option B, which is like, still a lie, but it's closer to the truth, which is, you know where I'm going to be Friday night? I'm going to be at your party. That's where I'm going to be Friday night. But you have no intention, right, of going, of going to the party. And they get so excited by that. You know what? I'm going to call everybody. I'm going to call everybody and tell them that you're going to be at the party. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. And you're like, you do that. You should call them twice because I'm already on my way there, right? Like, I'm so excited about this party. And so Friday night rolls around and you're not going to the party, right? <laughs> you know, you're not going to the party. Your intention was never to go to the party. And then you get a text message from them and, and you open it up and you read it and then it's a reminder of how excited they are. And then they give you directions. You're like, oh, I wish I hadn't opened that because I could have used that as my excuse, right? And you, just, you have no excuse, but you just decide you're just, you're just not going to go to the party. Well, you know what happens inevitably four or five days later, right? You run into them again, right? And then you see them and you, you lock eyes and they're, and they're coming right at you. And, and you know, right? You know, you can see it in their face that they're disappointed and they're discouraged and they're other dis words that I can't even think of right now, but they're all of them, right? Like they're feeling all of those things and, and they come to you and you're like, you, it's so good to see you. And they're like, why didn't you come to my party? You said you were coming to my party. 
I called everybody. Everybody was excited. They were all there. My mom came to the party. She was so excited to meet you. She's sick and she still came to the party, right? And you're, and you're caught in this place now. Now either you've got to come clean with it and tell them why you didn't go to the party or you've got to lie again. And now it's not just a normal lie, but you've got to up the ante on the lie, don't you? You're like, dude, I was on the way to the party. Right, you won't believe this, right? Great directions, by the way, very helpful. Thank you so much for the text, right? When all of a sudden this moose jumped on top of the hood of my car, because it happened in Canada, right? And then totaled my car, that's why I couldn't come to the party. Now, you know you've all done this, right? You, hopefully you haven't used that story, but there's been a, a point of time in your life when you see that kid who's selling stuff in your neighborhood and you're like, oh, I'm all out of cash now, but you come see me later, right? And I'm gonna buy all the cookies. And you have no desire to buy the cookies. You're not even gonna answer the door when they come and knock, right? But, but you tell them that you're going to, or you laugh at your boss's jokes, even though they're not funny. And then two minutes later, you're joining the circle that's talking about him behind, behind his back. Right? This happens to all of us in our lives. Why is it so difficult for us to be people that, that keep our word? Several years ago, there was an old book called The Day America Told the Truth. And in that book, uh, it did some research and said that 91% of people regularly tell lies. There's a more recent survey from last year that said that uh, 40% of people admitted that they called, in to, they called in to work sick, even though they, they weren't sick. And this past year, there was a survey that came out that said, on average, people lie 1.65 times a day. Now, that seems surprisingly low to me. I think those people were, were actually lying about, about how much they lie, right? Like, which, is, which is sad when, when, you, when you think about it. But I think that maybe the part that's even more sad is this, is that you read the research and you read the studies and it says that, that when a Christian is compared to a non-Christian adult in, in all of these areas, in all of these statistics, that oftentimes there is little to no difference between them. They found out that Christians are, are just as, as likely to falsify our income taxes or to commit plagiarism, right? To give bribes on, on, a, on a building permit or to um, illegally download things on, on the computer or selectively choose to obey the law, right? And it seems that when it comes to integrity, the Christians aren't any different than, than anyone else that's out there. Why is that, right? Why is it that we, that we act that way? I mean, I think there's several reasons. For some of us, we have commitment issues. My girlfriend says that, that I do. I mean, technically she's my wife, but, uh, but anyway, it's a funny joke. You're going to get that one later. It's, it's going to kick in. You're going you're gonna to laugh at that one. Some of us, right, some of us, uh, we don't do it because we, we suffer from FOMO, right, which is the, the fear of missing out, right? We're always wondering if there's going to be something better that's going to come along, right? A, a better party, a better job, a, a hotter boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And so, so we always want to make sure that we keep our commitments loose so that we have, we're keeping our options open. Some of us, we're scared of the consequences. We're scared, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I change the direction of my life, right? And, and so we justify it when we, when we back out of the commitments that we make or the promises that we make. And for some of us, we're so concerned about what other people are going to think, what other people are, are going to say that we just don't even tell them our true intentions. And so we say yes, but we know that we have no intention of, of actually following through. See, whatever the reason is, what we know to be true in the Bible is that God expects us to be people who speak plainly and clearly and, and are truthful with our words. For the last few weeks, we've been in this series called Your Choice, Your Voice, and it's based on a passage from Proverbs 18.21 that says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. For the first part of this series, 
Pastor Mike was showing us words, negative words, right? That, that we're bringing death to our relationships, things that we needed to examine in our lives to make sure that we're, we're rooting out. And then last week, he, he began to change the direction of that. And now we're beginning to look at, at more positive words, words that will bring life into our relationships. And that's what we're gonna look at over the next weeks, the next few weeks, words that are going to transform those relationships that will transform and change our lives. But today we're gonna to talk about two little words. Two little words that most of us, if we're honest, we just struggle with getting uh, control of these things in our lives. And it's the word yes and no. See, our words, our words speak to our integrity, don't they? Our words speak to our character. And the words that we use and the way that we live our lives right, as followers of Jesus, it always points back to God. And so we're a reflection of him with the things that we say and we do. And that's why I think Jesus and Paul and James, three different men, three different times in the New Testament, three different books, all wrote things that were very, very similar about this. And they said this, that we need to let our yes be yes and let our no be no. And here's what they meant by that, is that what we say, the things that come out of our mouths that we need to, we need to do them. Right? We need to be people of integrity that actually do the things that we, that we say, which means that we have to learn to say no to some things in our lives, even some good things in our lives, so that we can say yes to some even better things in our lives, so that we can say yes to some things that God can do in our lives to make a difference in our lives and use us to make a difference in the lives of other people. See, Jesus was a master at this. When you go through and you read the gospels, you'll see time and time again that Jesus knew, even though he knew right, that it was going to cost him something, that Jesus answered with a yes. Right? He said yes to becoming human. He gave up his right as God and all the privileges that came with it, right, to become, to become God still, but God in the flesh, right, in, in a human form. But even knowing that that sacrifice wasn't going to be the end of it, that he was going to have to make another sacrifice through his death on the cross, he said yes to that. He said yes to a life of ministry, of teaching and of healing and of serving others. Even though as a result of that, people hated him. People plotted to kill him. People talked about him behind his back and it eventually led to his death. He said yes to compassion, to entering into the, the suffering of others. And if you've ever done that, you know how draining that can be in your life. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane and God said, it's time for you to go to the cross, for you to give up your life so that the rest of the world can be saved. How did Jesus respond to that? He responded with a yes. In fact, his whole life was all about him saying yes to his father. But there were times, there were times in Jesus' life, right, where, where he had to say no. When Satan tried to tempt him in the desert, three times Jesus responded and he answered him no. When two of his, of his disciples, two of his followers, of his closest friends came and said, Jesus, when you're in your kingdom, we want to sit, one of us on your left and one of us on your right. Like, we want to be in the most important places next to you. And Jesus said, guys, you don't even know what it is that you're asking with that. The, the answer is no. When, when people tried to make him king, he answered no. So my point is this, is that Jesus had great clarity about his identity about his calling in life and about the mission that God had created and called him to. And as a result, he lived with great freedom and great purpose in his life because his yes was yes and his no was no. But Jesus didn't stop there. It wasn't just something that he did in his life, but he instructed us to live the same way. So how, how do we do that? If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Mark chapter one. 
We're going to look at a, a few other passages before we get to the, the Mark chapter one um, passage, but uh, I want to just hold your finger there. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens or you can download our app as well. We've got notes there. I did make some changes to the notes, so they may be a little different than in the app, but you can add your notes and, uh, and send it to yourself. If you're reading from your Bible today, then uh, your football team is going to win uh, its game this weekend. And so uh, okay, there's that. Um, congratulations on, on that. Since we're talking about using our words with integrity, uh, if you do actually read from your Bible today, it does not guarantee that your football team uh, will win. So uh, I probably should clear that up. The other thing I should clear up is, is this, is that um, Pastor Mike actually helped write this message. And we have such an incredibly gifted uh, pastor that uh, is always giving and, and making others better. And uh, as we talk through this series and we talk through this message, he gave me some guidance and some help uh, to help this message kind of move forward and, and connect with the others uh, in it. And so I, I feel like he needs that credit um, as well in this. So let me set this up. Let me show you a few verses of why our yes and why our no matters in our lives. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. He said this, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond, anything beyond comes from the evil one. Now James, right, who, who is Jesus' brother. So, so James has heard Jesus say these things for, for 30 some odd years, right, growing up. Uh, James said something very, very similar in James chapter five, verse 12. He said this, above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. See, here's what's happening. A couple thousand years ago, right, when, when, they're, when they're writing this, here's the context of what's going on. When every person made a vow, right, when they made a, a promise or, or they made an oath or a commitment to someone, they would swear by something that sounded religious, right? Something that sounded important, something that, that sounded spiritual to try and impress or to convince the person that they were, that they were making this vow to that they were taking it seriously. And so they would say something like this, I swear by heaven, I'm going to be at that party Friday night. But what they were doing was really they were giving themselves an out. They were actually creating a, a little escape clause for themselves, right? Because when that oath was broken, here, here's what it was. There, there was this elaborate system that the religious leaders had created to judge how closely that oath came to God right? Or, or not. Because if it was close to God, if God was a part of that oath, if God's name was used or connected to that oath, then God was a part of the transaction. God was a part of the promise and it would need to be fulfilled. But if God's name wasn't attached to the promise, if God wasn't associated with the transaction, well, then you could back out of the deal, right? There was nothing binding on it that made it happen. And so they had all of these different sections in the Jewish teachings, right? That, that they would say, if, if you say this, then your vows, you have to keep your vows. But if you, if you say this, then you don't. Stuff like this, they, they would say, swearing by heaven or, or by earth, right? If they made promises by that, those weren't actually not binding. They didn't have to follow through on those things. Sometimes they would, they would uh, swear by Jerusalem. And even though it was the holy city, right? That, that wasn't binding as well. But if they were swearing toward Jerusalem, then that would be binding. And they would have to fulfill that vow, right? Like it was crazy, all of these different rules that they had. And the idea was behind it was, it was just that. It was, it was whether God was partnered in this or not. And so Jesus calls them out. And he says, guys, this is, this is ridiculous. Everything you do, everything you say, every promise, every commitment, it always involves God. Because you can't separate that part from a follower of Jesus. He said, let your yes be yes. 
and just let your no be no, right? Be as simple as that, but just do what it is that you say you're going to do. And then Paul. Now, Paul, he was this guy, if you're not familiar with Paul, Paul was a professional Jesus hater, right? Like that was, that was his full-time job at the beginning of his life. And, and that's what he did until he had the very first come to Jesus moment, right? And literally he and Jesus went, went face to face and, and Paul lost and, uh, and he put his faith and his trust in, in Jesus. As a result, here's what he said in 2 Corinthians 1.18. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He always does what he says. In fact, if you read the next verse, you're gonna see the, the song that we just sang about our yes and amen. It literally comes out of verse 20, right? That when we make a commitment, when we make a promise that our yes and amen means the exact same thing, it's a confirmation of that yes, that we are going to fulfill it. See, Paul was addressing a group of people who, who were questioning him because he changed his plans. And what Paul says to them is, is, this is his answer. Just as truly as you can trust God to keep his promises, and you can trust me as God's representative to keep mine. See, as followers of Jesus, our words matter, our commitments matter, our yeses and our noes matter, and God absolutely cares about our words. Matthew 12, verse 36, Jesus said this, but I tell you, that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. See, there's no deception in God. He always does what he says he's going to do. God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Jesus fulfilled every promise made about the coming Messiah. Jesus was faithful in his ministry. He did everything that he said he was going to do. He never sinned. He never lied. He never made excuses for things. He simply obedient, gave, obediently gave his life for ours. Now, this should give us great confidence. Right? A little tangent here just for a second. Because for those of us that right now are going through stuff in our lives where we just don't know the outcome, where, where we're not in control, where the future doesn't seem clear to us as to where things are going. Here's the incredible thing. God always keeps his promises. And so when you have promises in scripture, right, you can hold on to those things and you can rest assured that God will always fulfill them. So I wanna show you, it, at least in my mind, I think one of the clearest examples of how Jesus chose to say yes and how he chose to say no to things. How he followed through with his words to keep his relationship with his father as the, the greatest priority in his life and then how he balanced other things as a result of that. In Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Why didn't you answer your phone? Now I added that last part, right? That's, that part's not, not in there, but the, but the rest of it is there, is, is what you see is that people wanted 24 hour a day access to Jesus, right? They wanted Jesus to be there when, when they needed him to, to respond to everything. Does that, does that sound familiar to some of you? For some of us, right, anyone else feel that way? It feels like you're always on demand. It feels like there's someone always wanting something from you. That's where Jesus is in, in this moment. Last weekend, I was talking with my, uh, my accountability partner 
Uh, we haven't been able to, to meet up lately on the day that we normally uh, meet up with. And, and it was my fault because uh, I, had, I had taken some appointments and some things uh, during that time. And it's not because I had uh, some big sins in my life that I was, that I was ashamed to, to share with him. It's just that I had felt pressured by other people. And so I gave in and I filled those time slots with those. I, I didn't want to hurt people's feelings. If I'm honest with you, one of my weaknesses is that I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. And, and sometimes, if I'm really honest, I, I just like feeling needed by others. The cool part here is that Jesus can relate. Jesus can relate to what it feels like to be pressured by other people to do things on, on their agenda and, and, not, and not yours. And so what does Jesus do? Well, it says that he got up early, which means that he, he said no to sleep. He said no to coffee. He said no to social media. He said no to checking his portfolio, right? He even said no to sports center, right? Like, like he said no to all of those things, but he said yes to his father. And so he makes this uninterrupted time with his father, the greatest priority in his day. Because by saying yes to God, everything else comes into perspective, right? He knows now who he should help. As a result of spending time with his father, he knows what decisions he should make. He also knows what matters most. And sometime later, and we don't know how long it was that he spent with his, with his father, but sometime later, right, his followers show up. And these, the disciples are there, and they've got all these demands, and they're putting all of these pressures on Jesus. Jesus, where were you? We've been looking everywhere for you. And look at what Jesus says in, in verse 38 of Mark chapter 1. He says this, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. See, Jesus responds to his followers, to, to his close friends, and he says, guys, the answer is no. I'm, I'm not gonna live that way. See, Jesus is love personified, right? There, there's no doubt about that. But Jesus says no to nonstop accessibility. Jesus is willing to set boundaries in his life to say that my relationship with my father is most important, but then there are other things that I need to do. He said no to pressure. He said no to temptation. He, he said no to false demands. And it's not because Jesus didn't care about his friends. It's not because Jesus didn't care about the needs that the people around him had. It's just that he knew sometimes you need to say no to something so that you can say yes to something of a higher calling. And that's what Jesus did in his life. Can you imagine living this way? Can you imagine what it would be like, right, to, to have that kind of, of control of our, of our time and, and relationships? But to do that, it's going to mean saying no to, to a lot of good things in our lives so that we can say yes to a lot of, of greater things in our lives. It's going to take wisdom. It's going to take discernment. It's going to take patience in our lives. But here's the truth. Here's what, where, where most of us struggle. Is that we don't want to do that. Right? We know one day we're going to give account, but, but we don't want to, to, to wait. We don't want to be patient. Imagine what it would be like right, to stand in front of, of God one day and to say, to say, I said yes to the things that I should have said yes to. God, I said yes to your calling. I said yes to living a life of serving others. I said yes in ways that brought honor to you. Imagine what it would be like to stand in front of God and say, God, I also said no to things. I said no to the things that I ought to have said no to, to, to sin and guilt, to compromising on things, to comparison with others. I said no to fear and to busyness and to laziness, to temptation. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. 
Now, he's talking about our promises. But I think in there too, there is also a principle that we can gather from that, that there are things in our lives that we need to learn to say no to, and there are things in our lives that we need to learn to say yes to. And so I wanna look at three areas where a clear yes and no is essential for us living, living this out. The first area where our yes and no is important is at work. And if you're a student, you can substitute school in here, right? Because you know what that feels like. That is kind of your job at this season of life for you, right? There is a time where you have to say yes at work. We, we get that. But there's also a time where you have to say, where you have to say no. For some of you, you're at a place where, where your work is, is spilling over into the boundaries of other areas of your life, right? And I get it, because sometimes you're forced to say yes. Sometimes there are seasons that you go through that, that you, you just have to respond that way. Maybe you have a, an unreasonable amount of work on your plate right now, and then it's just a season you've got to navigate through. Maybe, uh, maybe you were asked to do something, to do a job that you actually weren't hired to do, but in this season you've got to do it. Maybe, maybe you're working overtime because you really need some extra income right now. See, we all go through those phases where we have to say yes to those things, but that's the key to it is it should, be a, it should simply be a phase. Problem is, is for some of us, maybe for many of us, we become obsessed with our work, haven't we? I mean, it's, it's our choice. No one's, no one's holding a gun to our heads when we make this decision, but, but as a result of it, because we put so much time into it, we don't have the energy. We don't have the, the ability to be the person that God wants us to be. So you don't want to get to the end of your life and have to say to God, God, I, I know I wasn't the kind of spouse. I know I wasn't the kind of parent. God, I know I wasn't the kind of friend. I know I wasn't the kind of Christ follower that, that, that you wanted me to be, that you called me to be. The, the problem was, God, is, is that work just dominated my life, right? Your choices about work are, are exactly that. They're your choices. And so if you need to make changes, then, then simply make the changes. That may mean that you need to talk to your supervisor. And, and I get some of you would say, Donnie, I've already tried that. It just, it didn't work. Well, maybe you need to find a new job or maybe you need to even find a new line of work. I don't have all the answers from up here for all of the different problems and circumstances that you're dealing with. But you're never going to be the person that God designed for you to be. If you can never get control of saying yes and no to the right things when it comes to your work and your career. Here's the second area where our yes and no matters. It has to do with our relationships. See, I believe all of us want to have healthy, God-honoring relationships, right? We all do. The problem is that healthy, God-honoring relationships requires limits because we're finite people. We're limited in the things that we can control and the things that we can do. Maybe the, the best example of this comes from a story that Jesus told called the, the Good Samaritan. You can find it in Luke chapter 10. We don't have time to, to read the whole story today. I'll, I'll just summarize it for you. But what it is is a story of love that's being expressed, but it's expressed with, with limits. It tells the story of a guy who was attacked and he was beaten up and he was left by the side of the road to die. And two religious guys come walking by. But they're so rigid, so, so confirmed in their, in their boundaries, right? And in, in, their, in their things and pleasing other people, right? That they just walk by and ignore and they offer no help to this man. But then Jesus says that there is a man, a Samaritan who comes along. And in verse 33, it says that he was moved with compassion. And the story goes on to say that he went over to the man and he bandaged up his wounds and he took him to a, an inn where he was taking care of him for the night. And then in the morning, he paid the innkeeper and he paid him a little extra and said, hey, continue to watch over this guy. I've got to go into town for a couple days. But when I come back, if there was any extra expenses, I will reimburse you for those things to make sure this man is good. If you continue to read the story, 
You're gonna see that Jesus commends the Good Samaritan for his, his actions. What's interesting in this story is how it, how it doesn't go. Right? As the Good Samaritan wakes up in the morning and as, as he's about to leave, right, it's not like the, the injured man uh, kind of wakes up and asks him the question, like, where are you going? I, obviously, I'm beaten up, right? I, I'm, I'm bloody, I, I'm left here, right? You're just gonna leave me here by myself? I thought you were all about denying yourself and, and, and helping others. You're the worst good Samaritan ever, right? Like, like he, he doesn't say that to him. That's not in the story. It's not how it goes. In Jesus' story, the Samaritan helps, but his help has limits. And so he bandages the wounds of the injured man, but he doesn't perform surgery on him. He pays for him to stay in the inn for a couple nights, but he doesn't invite him into his home Right? He pays for those couple days. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't write him a blank check right, to, to cover everything. After all, he's a, he's a good Samaritan, not a, not a great Samaritan. Right? That's, why, that's why Jesus went with good. Having said that, some of us in our relationships, we're at a, at a place right, where some boundaries need to be set. In fact, for some of us, I don't even know that our relationships really are, are, should be defined as relationships as much as there's people in our lives who've attached themselves to us and they're, they're literally sucking the energy and the joy and the life from us. And maybe we allow it because of guilt. Maybe we allow it because of low self-esteem or low self-worth. Maybe it's because we feel like we're in control of some of those situations. See, whatever the reason is, we just don't have the guts to cut them off. And because you have so many bad relationships, you can't find the time, the margin, or the opportunities to Find good relationships, relationships that are going to replenish you. So I'm not telling you to blow off your, your hurting friends, but we have to find some kind of balance, right? We all have people in our lives that need, that need us to minister to them, but we also need people in our lives that are going to replenish and re refuel us. For Laura and I, we have, we have those in our lives. We have relationships and, and people that we're investing in, that we're helping and caring, but we try to balance that with, with a group of people who are in our lives that make us better. If you're one of those friends in our lives, you may be wondering right now which category you, uh, you fall into. If you don't know, you're the sucky friend, right? That's just sucking the life out of us. We weren't created, guys, to do life alone. We need to be in relationships with others that have a like faith so that they can help us look into the deepest, darkest places of our lives so that we can reveal those things to them, so that we can willingly share with people who are trustworthy, who are going to encourage us, not, not judge us as a result, and so that we can lock arms and we can begin to walk together in the freedom that is found in this relationship with Jesus. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Somebody that you can be totally honest with, or are you, are you just doing life alone? See, some of you are alone because you're not willing to say no to those unhealthy relationships so that you can say yes to relationships that will strengthen you. Here's the last area where our yes and no matters. It's in, it's in our spiritual lives. See, if we're gonna get serious about our relationship with God, it's gonna require us to say no to some things that get in the way of us following him. Saying no to temptations, saying no to pressures that come from other people. An example of this, I think, is, is the life of Moses. Right? And we know that Moses, when he went up on Mount Sinai to go get the Ten Commandments, that he was gone for 40 days, and he left his brother Aaron in charge. And here's what it says in Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. 
In other words, right, these people gather around Aaron and they're like, Aaron, we're bored. Right? We're tired of waiting for Moses. We don't know if he's ever going to come back. It's been 40 days already. Why don't you just make us another God? Right? Let's just get on with this. Let's keep our, our journey going. In fact, Moses or Aaron, why don't you do this? Can you make a God that we could control? Because it's kind of getting tiring, right? Following this God who's, who's telling us to trust him and stuff. And we don't know what's, what's happening all, all the time. And we do this in our lives. Every single one of us, right? We, we do this at different times. We get tired of trusting. We get tired of waiting. We get tired of being patient for God to move in his time. And so what we do is we try to take over the role of God in our lives. We try to make our own plans, right? We try to make our own decisions, the things that we think are gonna be best for us. And make no mistake about it. This isn't a, a yes, no issue. See, God's already said, guys, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. No idols, no altars, right? Like I want alone to be your God. And then the people have already responded. And they've already said, God, we will trust you with everything. God, we're giving you our yes. Our word is good. Except now they're going back on their word. And see, all Aaron had to say was one word. He just simply had to say, no, <laughs> there's one God. Right? And that's the only God that we're going to worship. Guys, we're not going in this direction. We're not going to disobey. Case closed, right? Like this is over. No, we are not going to do this. In, in the same way, some of you are at places right now where for whatever reason, you're, you're tempted to go into in, in a direction that is other than the, the direction that God has for your life. Maybe it's to be involved in some kind of lie or, or deception. Maybe it's to be involved in a, in a sexual behavior that you know isn't honoring, you know it isn't pleasing to God. Maybe it's some kind of financial or, or ethical misconduct, right? That your faith is at this place right now where it's in the balance. It's sitting at a crossroads where you need to say no. The question is, is do you have the strength? Do you have the courage to say no to those things? Do you have the courage to say no to those people? Are you willing to say, I don't care how many people walk in other directions? I, I'm just not gonna do that. I don't care how much pressure people put on me. I, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. I don't care if you threaten to leave this relationship. I'm not gonna turn my back on God. I say yes to God's way and no to disobeying him. See, if you follow God, you're gonna be tested like that. And so you better decide ahead of time how you're gonna respond when those tests arrive in your life. Look at how Aaron responded, verse two. And Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. And he took what they handed to him and he made an idol cast out of the shape, or sorry, in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And remember that, keep that in the back of your mind. And then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Aaron was such a loser, right? When it, when it came to, to being a leader, he's like, yeah, you want gods? Okay, no problem. Just, just give me all of your jewelry, right? And, and he goes about making, making these idols, these new gods for them. And it's about that time that Moses comes down from the, from the mountain. And when he sees the adultery that's going on, he sees the, the idolatry that's going on, right? He, he's just, he's ticked. And look what it says in verse 21. What did these people do to you that, that you led them into such great sin, Aaron? I mean, did they, did they torture you? Did they, they threaten to kill you? Did they make you watch Glee reruns over and over again? Like what, what, did they, what did they do to convince you to do such a thing? By the way, this is such a crucial moment for Aaron, right? Because we're going to see, is he going to take responsibility for what he's done? Is he going to admit that he blew it? Or, or is he just going to try and deflect? Is he going to say, Moses, you're right. I, I blew it. I, I was wrong. Which would put him on a path of healing, right? Or, or, or is he, is he going to say no to that? Look at verse 22. 
Do not be angry, Moses. They wanted a God, so I said, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me, and I, I threw it into the furnace, and out jumped this calf. <laughs> like, and so instead of saying no, Aaron just, he just gives in. And then he refuses to take responsibility so the healing can begin in his life. See, some of you are in that same place. You've crossed over that, that boundary. Maybe you've crossed way over that boundary. I'm here to tell you that your healing won't begin until, until you take responsibility for your words and, and your actions and you begin to seek God's forgiveness. But here's the great news, is that God is always willing to forgive. You're gonna have to ask him, but he is always there, always faithful, always willing to forgive. We're gonna talk more about the forgiveness thing in, in two weeks as part of this series and some of the words that matter in our lives. See, keeping your word, it lays the foundation for all relationships in our lives. When our words and our behavior, when they become consistent, then we become people that are trustworthy, that others want to follow. And in that, they see Jesus in and through us. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just say what you mean and then do what it is that you say you're going to do. Let me close with this. How many of you are familiar with the, the Dr. Zeus story, the old one, Horton Hatches an Egg? You remember this story? Some of you, you probably maybe haven't read it for a long, long time. Um, it's, it's a great story. It's about an elephant named Horton. And, uh, and Horton, one day, he's walking along, and, and he promises that he's going to sit on an egg, on, on a nest in a tree for the, the, uh, for the lazy Miss Maisie, right? And that's what he does. He sits on it, and the weather changes, and circumstances change, and his friends come, and they make fun of him, and they try to, to tell him to, to break his promise and to, to, come, to come play with them, right? And Horton wants to so many times in his life. But this is his response every single time. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. Imagine what God could do with a group of people, not elephants, but a group of people, right? That, that made that same commitment. That I, I said what, or I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. I'm gonna be faithful 100%. Let me ask you three questions. What do you need to say no to this week? What's that thing in your life that you just need to stop doing? That person that you need to stop hanging around with? that spiritual habit, that temptation, that thing that you just need to say no to. So that it leads to the second question, which is this, what do you need to say yes to? What's that thing that God has wanted you to do, but you've been putting it off or you just haven't had the margin to even sit and to listen to what it is that he's saying to you? And the third question is this, who's gonna hold you accountable to your word? Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. God wants us to be men and women who say what we mean and then we do what we say. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your incredible love for us. God, you convicted me of this all throughout the week. You convicted me again yesterday in having a conversation with my neighbor. When all of a sudden I said something and I knew in my heart that I, I didn't intend to follow through and it was so small and so insignificant and, and it didn't impact anyone and yet I don't know why I did it. But it's so easy for those things to happen in our lives, for those things to come out of our mouths when we're not careful when we're not concerned about them. God, will you help us to be men and women who let our yeses be yes and our noes be no. God, help us to live with integrity, help our character to shine through in everything that we say and do. God, help us at work to reflect the light of Jesus in everything that we do. And so help us to find the balance in those tough decisions and the, and the same at school. Father, in all of our relationships, help us to be men and women 
and follow through on the things that we say that we're going to do and help the people around us to see that there's something different in us because we know that our words matter to you. Make our words matter to us. And God, in our spiritual life, help us to learn to say no to things that aren't important, that don't matter, that are a waste of our time or aren't even healthy for us so that we can say yes to the greater things that you created and called us to be a part of from the very beginning. God, we thank you that our words matter to you. Help us to be wise and discerning in the way that we use them this week. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Love you too. Great job, Donnie. All right, folks. Well, listen, if this is your first time here with us, we would love to meet you after service. We have an area uh, for first-time guests called Next Steps. You just head out these doors, you take a left, and uh, there are folks there that would love just to connect with you, and they have a gift card that they want to give to you. We're just really thankful that you're here. It really does mean a lot. Uh, It's also in that area where you can find out more information about our church how to join a small group, how to jump in and help when it comes to our ongoing disaster relief efforts. We're doing a lot of stuff out there. And so, um, and I love that we're sustaining our efforts throughout the fall. You know, the storm comes and everyone comes and helps and everyone's back to normal life, right? Well, <laughs> their, their normal life is completely disrupted. And so they're gonna need continued help. And so I love that we're sticking with it and helping them out. We would love for you to join in with that. I hope y'all have a great day. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of all the great things God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download our app to find ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in the relationship with Jesus. 